Welcome back to the Molly Williams podcast. This is me, Molly Williams. Um, Thank you so much for tuning in again. I really appreciate all the support um, that I've been getting for this, and I am so excited to just continue with the message of um, unity in the church, and that's exactly what we're going to be talking about again today. Um, I just want to remind everyone that you can discuss on Facebook, on the Facebook page, um, that's facebook.com forward slash Molly Williams podcast, and feel free to message me as well. Um, so I hope everybody is having a good week so far, a good start to your Monday, and that you are already feeling God's closeness. I speak that over everybody. I know my Mondays get kind of hectic. You know, you come back from the weekend and you're so fired up and relaxed and your equilibri- your equilibrium seems like it's back and then all of a sudden... Monday happens or you start your work week or whatever again and it just it goes back to like ah, it's kind of crazy that's what my mind does sometimes but anyways I want to um go ahead and start our conversation pick up where we left off last week um last week I talked a little bit about um introducing the topic of women and in the church and what men and women's roles in unity look like um, in our church and in our midst, I and I kind of compared um, what what women what women's role in the Bible was first when when Adam and Eve were created or man and woman were created to what we see today in the church and how the enemy sort of has his grip on on that reality of living in unity. So I want to continue talking about that today, and I want to start reading out of Genesis three. Um, so Genesis three is where we see this, um, like the curse. So we know briefly that, um, that God made everything. He created the universe. He created the earth. He created land and sea. He created animals. And then he created man. And he said that man, it's not good that man should be alone. So he created woman. And so last week I suggested that the first problem that the entire earth had was not that woman took a fruit, but it was that Um, man shouldn't be alone. So God created a solution to that problem. And he also was a really good leader in allowing Adam to see that. But I do want to pick up in Genesis 3. Um, So I just want to read a little bit or go through the verses um, to kind of like walk out and tease out what this this curse. Now, at this point um, in scripture, uh, the the serpent came and um, deceived Eve so that Sorry, not Eve. She wasn't um, named Eve yet. She was still a woman. Um, so the serpent deceived the woman and had her take the fruit and eat it that God said not to go near, touch, or eat. And um, so at this point, we pick up back in Genesis 6. Um, and this is where um, woman took the fruit and she ate it. And immediately it says their eyes were opened. And that's interesting to me because their eyes were open. They found out they were naked. So the entrance of sin into the world happens and their eyes are opened as to what kind of a mess it is. Let's keep going. So in Genesis 12 to 13, Adam says the second thing that he said about woman in the Bible. Remember, the first thing he said was, this is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. Um, so he he quickly identified with her when he first saw her. And this is where he says the second thing. Um after they ate the fruit and God came and he was walking and, and God couldn't find them and they had hidden themselves and they had sewn leaves together because they realized they were naked. Um, 
they finally come face to face with God. And the second thing that Adam says about the woman in the Bible, and he says, the woman who you gave me, whom you gave to be with me, gave me of the tree and ate. And he emphasizes that you gave me, you gave this woman to me, God. And then woman replies with shifting blame again. She said, I was deceived. So it wasn't just, um, it wasn't just man, like, um, shifting the blame to woman. And then we can't just, we can't patronize men and say that. And then we also can't say, um, that woman was just shifting the blame again and saying that she was deceived. I mean, it was, it was across the board. So, um, then after that in verse 16, we have the curse. So let's break that down. Um, so let me just read Genesis three sixteen and, um, and God is, God is saying, what have you done? And then it says to the woman, so verse 16, he says, um, to the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply your sorrow and con- and your conception and pain. You shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be for your husband and he shall rule over you. So I want to talk a little bit about the prophetic gift of childbirth. So the first thing that it says was, it says that you, he, um, that the childbirth will be greatly multiplied in conception and in pain you'll bring forth children. And at face value, we read this verse um, and we know this verse as because of the fall, there was going to be terrible pain in giving childbirth, which we obviously know. Um, And as we move on, um, we just keep that in mind. But let's unpack this just a little bit. I want to propose to you, to your spirit, that God and his infinite goodness actually made this struggle something to bring the greatest blessing and actually compares the real pain and struggle of conception and in carrying a child and birthing it to being a t- like a type of Christ. Um, in Isaiah 53, 10, 11, it says, He shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days, he shall see the labor of his soul and be satisfied, for he shall bear his iniquities. So if that seems confusing even more, let me break it down a little bit further. God planted his seed into the earth, Jesus. And as Jesus' days continued on the earth, his soul labored. At the end of Jesus' earthly life, he bore our sin on the cross in grieving agony, and he birthed redemption, freedom, and a tangible story of God's love and mercy. So to me, I see that the curse of God was actually prophetic, even as early as the fall. And God can't help but point forward to redemptive history. I think now's a good time to remind us that amidst the mess that seems to be, quote-unquote, ruining our earth, I can't help but think that God's heart was broken but hopeful in saying to both Adam and woman to hold on because he has a birth for us that's so painful but rich in joy after the grief. And this even ministers to my own heart. I mean, when I when I feel like I'm just laboring in my life in the mundane and when I have real pain and grief, um, I just want to speak over all of us today that God sees your laboring and if you just trust him and trust the process, he's birthing something alive and incredible in you. And what I love about God and his living word is how scripture um, that I read selfishly, an application of my own life. I know we all do it. We all read the Bible. We crack it open. What what do you have today for me, God? And um, what I love about what I love about God and his wisdom is that um, something that I read and apply to my own life is actually extremely applicable to our world, even in 2017, even right now. 
So um, in Romans 8, 18 and 22, 18 through 22, Paul's writing to the church in Rome. And in this particular message, he prophetically is speaking about the earth from its suffering to its joy. I'm going to read it just because I think it's amazing um, how all of this aligns. It says, for I consider the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of creation eagerly awaits the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subject to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. Because the creation itself will also be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs together until now. Wow. (laughs) Can you say hope? Like, I've never had to do childbirth and I mean... I'm sure I will at some point, but I do live in a world (laughs) and we all live in a world today where we hear about things going on and, um, and we can actually call it, we can actually call it as currently living in a time that's groaning and birth pangs. And that, that tells me that something good is coming amidst all this pain and pressure. So these verses are sometimes used to reference the end times. And I just want to say something before um, there's my phone. <laughs> I just want to say something, um, before we just, as a people and as a church, just write the whole world off. We can't write the whole world off. Being a follower of Christ today is it's made to look like either choosing to shut out the entire world that doesn't seamlessly fit into our Bibles and our church culture culture, or choosing to live for ourselves and just try and pulse, try our best until we die. I see this every day. I see, Um, I go to work, I work at a school, a public school, and I see people around me, um, and you have two very distinct groups. You have like the people who who are quote unquote good and the people who are quote unquote, they, they think that they're just horrible people, but they're just trying their best and living with good intentions. And, and that divide is, um, it's dangerous. And I think that as followers of Christ and as part of the global church, we can't, we can't have that separation. We, um, we, we can't shut off the entire world whenever we're following Christ because Christ didn't shut off his entire world. He, he constantly walked in relationship with people, um, even if they were non-believers. And I mean, um, I think there's a difference between, um, getting close to something that you have tendencies of falling back into that help you fall back into sin. There's a difference between not getting close to something like that and, um, reaching out to the world and reaching out and, um, and just showing the love of God to people. But, um, anyway, so (laughs) if anyone can do the two of both of those worlds, I honestly applaud you for real. So the verses that I read in Romans show me that even amidst crisis knocking on my door in my city, in my country and around the world, that God is a wonderful leader who still has control over this entire thing. I know that I don't know where this whole thing is going, but I know that we have hope that wherever it is, God has been God for an extremely long time, (laughs) and he knows what he's doing in our families and in our nation and in Israel and in our world. He calls it, um, he, and God calls it forth and laboring and birthing what's to come is good. So, um, I want to talk about this divining desire because the next part of this curse that, um, it's that we all, that we all, um, squeamishly believe as, that as God is dishing out is, um, that your, it says in the Bible, it says your desire shall be for your husband. He shall rule over you. 
So wee woo wee, here come the theology police. So before you shut me off, just listen for a minute. Um, <laughs> in Genesis three sixteen is the Achilles heel of women. The root of most dysfunctional behavior in women that women have is in relationships with men. The word desire there actually means longing or stretching out for. So um, when woman took when woman took the matters into her own hands. God in his infinite wisdom of how he crafted our brains and hearts warns us that now that we're following our own routine, our tendency is too long, is too long and to stretch out after a relationship with man rather than our relationship with God. Does that sound familiar to anybody out there? <laughs> I mean, I like I'll raise, I'll be the first to raise my hand that that's exactly what, you know, we grow up with, especially as men and women, um, women, I can speak for women when I say that even when you're a little girl, you know, you think about um, who you might even want to marry, who, you know, you're thinking about that and you see your parents. I mean, you have, um, like Lord willing, you have two parents in your house or you see other people's parents together and, um, you just see relationships everywhere and you think that that's the missing piece when it's actually our relationship with God is the missing piece. And so because man, because man is man, let's not, Let's not throw men down <laughs> down in order to lift women up. So let's just say human. And we this can go both ways. Um, it can go with women searching and longing or stretching out after that word desire there. Remember, it means longing or stretching out after. It could mean um, it like women stretching out or longing after men. Um, or let's just be honest and say even men longing and stretching out after women. It's not a fulfillment that other humans can have. Um, so because humans are human and sinful part and this, and we're sinful apart from God, our reach for another human can actually result in the human that we're reaching out for ruling us emotionally, being separate from God and our, and being separate from God or by being separate from God, our tendency is to shift our reference point and desire another human rather than to desire God. And what's even more grim <laughs> that I see is that man or woman using our lives to reach out and long after each other and um, long after or to reach or long after each other. Another human places the response of that human in control of our value, significance, and our security. So I love Trent. Trent is my husband. I love him with everything inside of me. And he just thinks I am the cat's pajamas when it comes to wives. But when it all boils down, as an amazing of a person as he is, no matter how loving, no matter his track record with broken hearts or lack thereof, he actually, he he's never dated anybody before he dated me and before we got married. And he's never, he's never been with anybody before he's been with me. And, um, and so it's, it's easy for the world to see that sort of character and that thing as, um, something just to be attainable and something safe to reach out after. Um, but no matter his track record in that area, he's in survival mode, just like me. We're all in survival mode here and finding my worth in someone who thinks that I'm amazing or reaching out after that person is so dangerous, let alone chasing after someone who I'm not even sure how they feel about me all the time. Um, a lot of times we settle reaching and longing out after other people. And most of the time, those people, we, 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 we view our emotions on how they're feeling about us. And sometimes what's even sad is we don't even know all the time how we feel about us and how dishonest is that. Um, so the reason why it's dangerous is because 
our because apart from God, our reach is left empty. Our hearts are left broken. Our worth is non-existent and our value is a dime a dozen compared to the connection that we had and we can have with God. Apart from God, we're competitors. We're thriving and surviving on evaluations, degrees, money, admiration, ambition, and we're striving to come out on top. But in connection with God, I'm the only one who can move his heart the way that I can. (laughs) It's like a fingerprint. And you can't move God's heart the way that I can. And I can't move God's heart the way that you can. In connection with God through the birth of of redemption through Christ, I can stand before him unrivaled as if I've never been broken. And I can listen to his voice when he tells me to go or when he tells me to stay. And there's so much freedom in this. Let's talk about getting back up from this fall, from the, from these curses. The last thing that I want to point out is that we can get back up from this. The curse was broken by Jesus Christ. Let's squash that right now. It was broken by Jesus Christ who bore our sin and punishment on the cross. We were born in a time like this. And I'm, and I'm not just saying that generically. That I'm saying right now in 2017, I believe that a fresh wind from the, I believe in a fresh wind from the Holy Spirit blowing over the knowledge of the power of the cross and through the saving of through the saving power of simply believing the gospel we as a people can be empowered to rise above our circumstances and experience breakthrough in such tender areas of our lives areas like birthing something new in our lives and areas like our reach that we have towards humans rather than reaching towards god and believing the gospel is just the beginning So through Jesus, the curse is completely broken, like I said, and we're purchased back to the Father, whole, unbroken, cleaned up, redeemed, seen to him as if we had never even sinned. That sounds pretty amazing to me. Like I earned something that, or I I got something I didn't even earn. (laughs) And that's that's the gospel. Um, I feel like God wants to birth unity in our church today. That's my whole point of this and my whole point of just boiling this whole thing down. I think that, um, women can respect the authority and the covering that God ordained and gave to men in holding responsibility. And I think that's something that can be reached for. And I think that men can also respect women as the seal of creation who has given, who has a message that's been God given and who can support women in standing up into their rightful place without feeling um without without feeling like their place is going to be shaken or their place is going to have less authority than than what they have now i don't think that it's i don't think that it's up to men or women to usurp authority over one of another over one another but i think that is it is up to um god to place us into that into those um unity roles and I think we have different roles in that. And I'll talk more about that in the following podcasts. But um, I mean, like, let's think about birth for a minute. It's okay, men. We we can talk about this. It's how we all got here. It's it's messy. It's it's humiliating having everybody to watch in a birthing room. And you've probably seen things you've never seen before. And in a very real way, there's pain that's never been there. And it's messy, like I said. But like giving birth. It's messy and it's painful, but it will require our church to get into situations we'll never, we never thought our family would even be in, in terms of creating a unified body of Christ instead of the ununity that seems to be so present in our church. 
But there's a promise that whatever God starts, he's going to finish. The Bible says that God is the author and the finisher of our faith. And I believe that God is going to aid in birthing and finishing the unity in the body of Christ. And that it's all going to turn out for his, glo- for his good and for his glory. Well, um, that is all that I have for today. So thank you again for the support and thank you um, for listening. Make sure you f- to subscribe, rate, and comment. Uh, If you are listening to this on iTunes, it's the only way to make the podcast searchable um, without me having to share it. So if somebody um, wants to stumble upon it, that's the only way. But also um, feel free to reach out on Facebook. Again, the Facebook page um, is a public page. It's facebook.com forward slash Molly Williams podcast. And I hope that you all have a wonderful day. Before we go, I'm going to go ahead and pray for I want to pray for you. God, we thank you so much for unity and we thank you that you created us for unity we thank you um, for the process that you've given us and the process that you're inviting us to come through with you God we know you're a good leader and we say yes um, to your leadership as always we're always saying yes to your leadership and we just we thank you so much for this process this process that seems like it's painful and seems that there's no way out except for birthing the good but we know And we're holding our ground in faith and in hope, knowing that there is joy coming on the other side of whatever is being birthed in us, God. God, we pray right now and we stand in the gap for the church. And we stand in the gap as your friend, as a friend of the bridegroom to say that um, we ask that um, that you just mold unity in our churches. God, we, we want unity. We want unity in men and women. God, we want men to flourish over the covering and over the responsibility that they have over the body, God. And we want, we want women to flourish under the covering and we want women to flourish um, knowing that their voices won't be silenced either, God. We thank you so much for, um, for just giving us this time and, and giving us this avenue of worship and worshiping you through the process, God. God, give us strength to worship you through um, whatever process you have each of us in, whether the beginning of be- the beginning of conception or in the midst of the birth pangs, God, we we offer it up as a as a worship as a worshiping moment for you that this fragrance would be unique to you and to our se- these seasons of our lives, God. We thank you so much um, for who you are and for even including us in part of your plan and in part of your story. We're in all of you, and we love you so much. Um, Jesus. In your son's name we pray. Amen. All right. Well, I hope everybody has a good week. And like I said, you can reach out um, on the Facebook page and um, many, many different ways, like I mentioned before. But I will catch you next time. Have a good day.